0: Remain standing. Um, we turn to uh, the reading of God's word. It's found in Philippians chapter four, verses eight and nine. And we stand as a way to honor God and to just remind ourselves that we are people of God's word. Um, that and that that has so much power to influence the way we see the world and the way we live in the world. This is Philippians chapter four, verses eight and nine. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure. Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we do pray that... We would think on these things that you've asked us to think about, and Lord, that your peace would reside among us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Um, As I mentioned earlier, I am a a big 49ers fan, so it shouldn't surprise you I'm going to find a way to work them into my sermon today. Um, I have, uh, some people have asked, how did you become a a 49er fan? Uh, My parents are, are big Dallas Cowboys fans, and so this is the story I tell people. Is uh, when when I was uh, a young boy, I really enjoyed watching football. And uh, the first year I really watched it was 1989. Um, and uh, that year, the 49ers repeated as Super Bowl champs. They beat the Denver Broncos 55 to 10 in the Super Bowl. Meanwhile, the Dallas Cowboys went 1 um, and 15. Uh, when, and when you're five, that's an easy decision to make uh, as well. And so, um, I, you know, I, I, I love football, I love watching it, um, and I also played football. I played at, at Owasso, and, and uh, it's, football culture is a, a little weird, and sometimes people are like, what is it like in a locker room before a, a big game? So let me tell you what it was like, at least in the locker room that I was at. There was some of the things that you expect, some yelling, some hitting people for no reason whatsoever, just, you know, that was a good thing about wearing helmets, uh, you know, you could just hit somebody, and, and that worked out well. Um, But our coaches did something that was kind of strange that really didn't fit that sort of emotion culture that often we associate with football. And so about 45 minutes before the game that um, they would turn off all the lights in the locker room and we'd be sitting in our locker room and we'd be still and quiet and our coaches would invite us to close our eyes and to imagine ourselves making great plays, to think about ourselves succeeding in the game that was just about to happen. And so there are a bunch of guys who would be yelling and hitting and all sorts of stuff. We would calm down, and we would imagine ourselves. I played defense, so I would imagine myself intercepting a pass or sacking the quarterback or doing these things because there was this idea and this thought that if we... Um, that, that if we imagined ourselves doing it that we would be more likely to do it that, that, that thinking about it would enable us to more likely be able to do it and it, and it really kind of struck me to the power of thinking in our world that, that often what we think about determines some of our behavior and what actually happens in the world I don't believe if you think it, it happens but I do believe this is that thinking is something that most of us do all the time all right now there are probably moments in which some of us are not thinking, right? Um, in fact, that's what happens. Somebody does something that isn't very smart, and what is the first thing we say? What were you thinking? I wasn't, right? But but we are always. But thinking is such an important thing to do, and and it's one of the things is what should we think about? And, and one of the things that I, I think about in our world is what I'm going to call the gravitity of negativity. Is that, is that negative thoughts and, and negative worldview is something that pulls us down. You saw, you saw it happen earlier with the chair, right? That it is so easy to be pulled down and to suck into something. That there is a high danger that happens whenever there's negativity around, which in our world and culture is everywhere. And what is even more dangerous is not if you're thinking by yourself, but when this group sort of mob mentality gets going, and there's this, this sort of this cycle um, of this tornado of negative activity around us, right? So with the kids, maybe I could have withstood one of them from pulling me down, but when multiple of them got going, there was no choice but for me to come down to the ground. And that is the way it is with the world, is, is we live in a world that is negative. I wish I could say it differently, but, but this is the world that we live, is that there's so much negativity Um, Everywhere we go, we we turn on the news or we we go to the water cooler or we go to social media and negativity thrives. In fact, there's this whole idea of this idea called negative bias. And that that we, we will take, if we are giving positive information or negative information, our bias to focus on is the negative information. Now, now they think that this might be part of a survival sort of need that kicks in, that, that, that we want to protect ourselves or save ourselves, and so we're, we're more prone to being moved by this. But this is what it says about this negative bias. It is the bad things that grab our attention, stick to our memories, and in many cases influence the decisions we make. This bias towards the negative leads you to pay much more attention to the bad things that happen, making them seem more important than they really are. And isn't this the truth, right? That, that we can, fo- something will happen and, and we can just focus on that, that one bad thing. Um, you know, if, you've, if you have played a sport or played musical instruments or lots of other things, you know, at the end of the concert or at the end of the game, you know, everybody may say, oh, you played so well, but in the back of your mind, you're like, well, I did this and I did that. Um, you must not have picked up on that. That we, we can dwell on the negative so much. Now, I believe that life is so much about perspective, about how we view the world. There are negative things in the world. There are positive things in the world. But it all depends on how we see it. Now, I think that a lot of times we see life like a microscope, that this is the angle and the view in which we see is is this microscope. Now, the microscope way of seeing the world is this, that a microscope helps you see little things as big things. A microscopic way of looking at the world is that we see a little thing and it becomes a big thing. How many of you have had this happen either at work or at school or something? You're having a good day, right? Like you got a good night's sleep the night before. Um, breakfast was just right. You know, your coffee just, you know, sometimes coffee tastes better than other mornings. And so this is a good, a good cup of coffee day. And, and you go about and like, it's been a good day. Um, you know, somebody said something nice to you and you're like, ah, oh, this feels good. And then like mid-afternoon, um, Just like you get this small email that that comes through um, or somebody says just a sly comment um, passing in the halls and all of a sudden this good day that you are having can be ruined by this one small little thing that happened And, and that that little thing becomes a big thing in our lives and it can sort of cast a shadow. We let this little thing cast a large shadow over our day and over the way we're seeing the world and that's a microscopic viewpoint. We take a little thing, and we make it a big thing, and this is what our world does. Now, the, if we're not going to look at the way through a microscope, the other way that we can look at the world is through a telescope, all right? And a telescope, and I'm not really much into looking at it, but a telescope helps us see big things more clearly, all right? There are things that happen negatively in the world, but my gosh, there are some amazing things And and whenever we we look at a telescope and we see stars, that if I was to try to describe how big some of the stars and, and some of the galaxies are, it would fail in every way to give you a scope of the size. But when we look through a telescope, we can see the big things much more clearly. And I think that the world looks at the world through a microscope and picks apart every little thing, but God calls us to look up and to see the world through a telescope. This is the way that that Paul writes in Colossians. He says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. And he invites us to look up and to see a different perspective. And I think that's really what he's trying to do in in this text here, is to help us think about the things that God thinks about and helps us to see the world the way that God sees the world. I want to read this text to you um, from the Amplified version. The Amplified version... um, just amplifies the text. They, they often use uh, multiple synonyms and other things to just enhance the meaning of the text. And so sometimes it's a, it's a good way to, to read alongside whatever you read. And this is what it says in the amplified version about this text. They say, finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, Whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, I love this, think continually on these things. And then it adds, center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. Thinking is not just something we do with our brain, but in fact, it needs to sink down into our heart. The things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things in daily life. And the God, who is the source of peace and well-being, will be with you. This is the promise of what we are called to think about. And we're, we're called to view the world in that way, because that's how God views the world. Um, yesterday, my, my both of my boys are, are playing upward basketball, and this is the first year that my younger son, Kason, um is playing. And so, um, we're, I'm excited to, to watch him, I'm also coaching him, um, but, but I found myself as a dad, like, at times I wasn't thinking about being the coach, I was thinking about just being dad and just enjoying watching my kid play basketball. Now, he's not LeBron James or, or Michael Jordan or Chris Paul or whoever you, you know, want him to be, you know, but this is, it was just so much fun to watch him play, like, it was delightful to watch our kids play, Right? Um, Do you want to know how to tell if somebody is a grandparent or not? Wait five minutes, they'll tell you. (laughs) Right? Like, I mean, when I moved here, I mean, like, it it didn't take you all long to to brag about your grandkids because there's just a delight that happens with our grandkids. That that even though our kids and our grandkids may not be perfect, there is something that happens when we see the ones that we love We see them with such joy and delight. And even though they have their faults and we see those things, we also focus on the delight and the joy that they bring. Now, here's the good news. is that God delights in you. This is a scripture, and I love it. Psalm 18, 19. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. That God delights in you. doesn't mean he delights in everything, all of your choices, but God delights in you because he loved you, because he created you. It says in Psalms that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. In the beginning of our story in Genesis, God created the world, and he, he created the moon and the stars, and those are pretty wonderful, and he said, that's good. He created the earth and the fish and everything in there, he called that good. All the trees and all the landscape, good. But when he came down to the pinnacle of his creation... Humanity, man and woman, he called, it, he called us very good. And so the first word ever spoken about any of us is that you are very good. God delights in you. And, and he sees us as his delight, not as these people who have done miserable things, who are unworthy of love, but as these people who are worthy of being rescued. And that's why Jesus came to earth. And so how does God see the world? How is he able to delight? It's because he thinks about these sort of things. And I want to I wanna just sort of walk through these different sort of things that he said. And the first thing that he said is to think about whatever is true. Now, we live in a world of fake news, don't we? Um, and we live in a world in which everything comes with a slant. It is just, it is just mind-numbing to us. And it's mind-numbing to me. The, uh, there was one day, and I was at a restaurant, and, and I was there, and they, they had one of the news channels. It doesn't matter which news channel it was. They had one of the news channels. I couldn't hear a word that they said. All I could see were their big headlines, all right, and just the intensity on their faces. And I thought, I can't do this, right? Like, it's just so much, again, this, this negativity that can happen. All right, And so what this is an invitation to is not to fake news, but it's to God's truth. And this is hard work because we get so many streams that are trying to tell us this is true. And then over here, this is true. And then this is true. And what we are called to do is to discern God's truth together. Now we do this by finding his word, just reading his word and trying to discover what it says. We do this through being in community through being centered on a community of faith, not just any old people, but people who are centered on Jesus. We do this through studying the life of Jesus, through being prayer and saying, Lord, teach me, and allowing the Holy Spirit to be at work to reveal his truth. Because if not, we're gonna succumb to the negativity and the fake news. And instead, God wants us to center on the truth. In fact, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this is who Jesus is. And so God wants us to think about things that are true. Now, when I first read this think about things scripture, I thought, oh, this is just think about all the good things in the world. But that's not the case because truth involves sometimes some negativity, that there are harsh truths out there. And sometimes when I think about the things that Jesus wants me to think about, it can be painful because it points out something that's inconsistent with my life that I'm living. But this is what God wants us to think about. Think about things that are true. He invites us to think about things that are honorable, things that, are, that we consider reverent, that are worthy of respect. Are we honor? And I think part of this is um, we're also called to practice this. And so are we thinking about things that are honoring? And also are we honoring other people, right? One of, the, one of the scriptures says to honor your mother and father. Is this something that I'm thinking about and doing? Am I honoring people that I work with? Am I honoring people in my home? Am I honoring the people that I encounter who I don't like? Am I treating them as special, even if they drive me crazy? The next thing is to think about things that are just. Now, the Amplified Version said, "Right and confirm by God's word. And, and I think that part of what our goal on earth is, is to make it more like heaven. That, that what God wants to do is to right the wrongs of the world. And that's really what I think justice is about that justice is about righting the world's wrongs with God's goodness. And again, this is an invitation to see the brokenness of the world. Now, if, uh, if I was up here and I was to smash a, a glass and there was to be glass all over the place, this is, is not right, right, that, that there are brokennesses there. No, I'm not going to reach my hand blindly in there and just grab all the glass. That wouldn't work out well. But there is a way in which we're supposed to go into the brokenness, not to experience it, but to bring wholeness out of it. And this is what God invites us to do with thinking about justice. It's not just think about all the bad things that are happening in the world and think about how broken the world is, but it's it's think about how God's goodness can enter into the world's wrongness and how we might be able to participate. Now the next one is think about those things that are pure. Um, One of the reasons why we named our youngest son Cason is because it means purity. And this is one of the verses that we want him to just dwell in his heart, to think about things that are pure. I love what it says in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus spoke these words. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Is it purity helps us to see God more clearly? Um, my wife and I will be married 15 years in May. um, And one of the things on our honeymoon is we went to Cozumel um, and we we went to the beach there and we went snorkeling. Now, last year we went to the beach in Galveston. If you've been to the beach in Galveston, you know that you can't see, it's just, it's brown, right? Like, it's lovely, it makes the same ocean sound that other places do. It's just brown. But we went to this beach in Cozumel and it was clear. And it was amazing to be able to snorkel out there and to be able to see clearly all the way to the bottom. There was this purity that was in the water, right? It wasn't diluted by other stuff, but purity helps us to be able to see clearly. So much of our world tries to taint us to see the world one way or another, and God says, look, purity. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Can I be somebody who values purity in my world? The next thing it says, and I love that it says this, is think about things that are lovely, Sometimes when I, when I talk to you and we talk about how we experience God, some of you say, well, through prayer or through Bible study, but one of the most frequent things that I hear is our closeness to God often is connected with nature. When I see the sunrise or the sunset in, in the Oklahoma skies, I'm just reminded of how good God is. When I take a walk and maybe I just focus on the beauty of the flower, this loveliness reminds me of who God is. One of our our hymns uh, that we sometimes sing is This Is My Father's World, and I love this verse of it. It says this, This is my father's world. Oh, let me never forget that though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world. Why should my heart be sad? The Lord is king. Let the heavens ring. God reigns. Let the earth be glad. And so one of the things that we're called to think about is the loveliness. And God gives us these beautiful reminders of his loveliness. And so we can think and dwell about the beauty of God. Next, he goes on to say whatever is commendable. Now, um, whatever is deserving of praise, so often it's easy to, again, focus on the negative or to nitpick those sort of things. They, they teach us that if you, um, if you want to say something negative or critical, that you need to surround it with positive things, right? The positivity sandwich, maybe you heard this in manager training, right? So you say something positive, then you say something negative, and then you say something positive again, because this is how we handle things. But I think here we need to be people who are commending, who are praising people. We're not just looking for the bad, but we're looking for the good. We're called to look at things that are excellent. And again, it goes back to this beautiful idea of who God is, that, that we're called to, to look for the wonderful things. God made excellent things, all right? Um, I mean, he made some weird things too, but he made mostly excellent things, right? Right? And so we focus on that. He invites us to think about excellence and invites us to think about his excellence. And at the end, it says, worthy of praise. That we're to think about things that are worthy of praise, and this is God himself. That we are to think about God and to praise him. That's one reason why I think worship matters so much. And that, that, that coming here, and, and I'm glad that you can listen to the sermons online, and I hope that you can if you can't be here. But I think being here matters because in a world of negativity that wants to pull you down, we need to be reminded. We need to, to worship and to look up. And, and uh, I just want to thank our, our band and, and Ruben and uh, Kendrell and Caitlin. Uh, this today was exceptional. Um, yeah. Because what, what happens when, when we truly worship is that we, we're able to cast aside everything else. I mean, sometimes when I walk in here, I'm thinking about all sorts of stuff, but, um, but I'm able to put that down and just focus on God and God's goodness. And so I'm thinking about what's worthy of praise, and it just I, I enter into a different world that I'm so thankful for, and this is what we're supposed to do. And so sometimes if you're tempted to to miss, what I want to remind you of is that we were created to worship and we need this because the world's going to try to pull you down, but worship will lift you up. It'll be that telescope that helps you see the big things of God more clearly. So what do we do about it? I mean, some of you might could have done what I just did, kind of walked through these words and and just said, oh yeah, those are good things to, to think about. But what does this mean for us now? Well, I think this is incredibly important because 2020 has the potential to be awful, right? We're, we're living um, in a world in which the United Methodist denomination is sort of up in the air and there's going to be some, some fighting within our denomination. And then we live in a world in which politics is a big deal, right? That in 2020, we're going to be hearing about it all over the place. In fact, I have a picture I, I want to show you. My guess is that when you saw this picture, your eye was drawn to the person you disliked more. And your thoughts were negative about them. Oh, I can't believe he showed that. I was enjoying the sermon till that moment. You see, this is hard work. What we think about is hard work, especially because we've been so influenced by the world. The, the world is telling us all sorts of things about these people. Now, here's the thing. I don't know either of these people personally. I have my thoughts about their, their, their actions. I have thoughts about their politics. That's not my place to share those right now, but I have these sort of things. But I wonder what God sees when he sees this picture. And, and here's what I believe, is that God delights in his creation. He's not always pleased with their actions. He's not always pleased with my actions. He's not always pleased with your actions but he still delights in these people. And so everybody who I'm tempted to make a symbol of whatever is wrong with the world, God sees them as his beloved child, whom he delights in. Again, not because of what they've done, but because they are created in his image. And so we are invited, and I'm gonna invite you this year to be generous with your thoughts, particularly to people and politics that you disagree with. I'm going to invite you that in 2020, the year of generosity is not just to be generous with your resources, but to be generous with how we think about other people, to be generous with how we see the world. We're not always going to agree, and I think we should have good, vigorous conversations about about different sort of systems and politics and other such stuff. Um, We're not always going to agree, but I'm going to choose to be generous in how I think about other people because everything around us is gonna feed into it. The media is going to feed into it, and they're gonna to try to rile you up against somebody, one way or another. People are gonna talk about it, and they're gonna to try to rile you up because negativity sells. Negativity gets eyeballs. Let's not be those people. And I want us to be the kind of people that even though we may disagree on policies, that we're gonna be generous as it relates to other people. And so when I see something, um, so here's one of my challenges. There are some of you who you go home and you watch news for hours. Are you, I'm going to challenge you if you're one of those people. Now, some of, if you're one of those people that I want you to make sure that you're spending as much or more time with God than you do watching the news. I don't care what channel you watch. Because our eyes should be drawn up. Look up. It's good to be informed. It's better to look up and to see God. God. Now, some of you are thinking, whew, I'm off the hook. I don't ever watch the news. Then for you, there's this. I want you to spend as much time or more time being with God than you are on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or anything else that might bring you down. And when you come to these times in which you're thinking, ah, yes, I want to share that, don't. Because that doesn't help the world. That's the gravity of negativity that's pulling us down. But instead, say things and do things that uplift us. Be generous with your thoughts, especially towards people that disagree. Because we're called not to fall into temptation, but instead to fight it. And we have to see and view the world in a different way. In your bulletin, you you received uh, this card. Uh, We preached about this last week. You can listen to it on the podcast um, later on this afternoon. But this idea of the Wesleyan Covenant Prayer. And, And in this covenant prayer, one of the reasons why I invited us last week to share it every day is because we need to be praying this because it needs to be part of our unconscious thoughts, not just our conscious ones. If we want to have good unconscious thoughts, We have to consciously choose to think about God's things. Um, Another good practice that you might do this year is is memorizing scripture um, so that those, as I think about it in my head, it eventually sinks down into my heart. I know sometimes I I have some anxiety and I, I can let my mind wander and other such stuff. But there's this verse in Peter, it says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. And so whenever I'm tempted and, and my thoughts go to this anxiousness, then I'm going to cast my cares upon God. I even say that. I say, Lord, I cast my cares upon you because you care for me. And, and I don't really fish much, but I know that when you fish, sometimes you don't just cast it once, but you have to keep casting, and you have to keep casting, and you have to keep casting. And so I keep praying, Lord, I'm going to cast my cares upon you because you care for me. And, and God's, God answers our prayers. We have to change the way we think. And that's what I want to do with this Wesleyan Covenant prayer. I invite us to pray it every day during this month of January so that we can change the way that we think and the way that we see the world. Because ultimately, this is my Father's world. And though the wrongs seem off so strong, God is the ruler yet. And that this is the way we want to live. The world says, be afraid all the time of everyone. And the message from God is, do not be afraid, for I am with you. And so when we pray, when we we take in God's word, when we come and worship, when we think about the things that are excellent and praiseworthy, our eyes are lifted up and we no longer see things from the microscope, but we see the telescope and we see the big things of God more clearly. And this is who God is and this is what God wants for us. And so what I'm going to invite us to is just a little time of prayer. And maybe there is something that is just, oh, weighing you down. And and maybe you've been caught in the gravativity of negativity and you just want to confess that to God. We're going to have a little bit of time of prayer where you can do that. If you want to to come up to the altar, you're invited to pray. Or you want to write something on our prayer wall and put it there. If you want to pray with somebody, you're going to be invited to to do that as well. But we're going to have a time of prayer. And then I'm going to close us in prayer. And we're going to pray this together um, just to remind us and to settle us that this is God's world. Um, and that we aren't our own, but we belong to God. And so the words will be up on the screen in case you didn't get a card. The words will be up on the screen um, when we get to that prayer. But let's have just a little bit of time of, of silent prayer before we pray this together. So let us pray.